create a positive force in a world where cynics abound. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Wednesday, January 10th, 2018. I'm Aaron Edwards. Today on The Dispatch, we're talking about TV. First up, the one thing that Gabby Dovalle hates about Riverdale. And then, the rich world of Neo Yokio. Here's The Dispatch. Culture. Riverdale is the CW's campy, dark, abdominal, muscle-laden <laughs> adaptation of the Archie comics. The story is about a town, once wholesome and innocent, now forever changed by the mysterious death of Jason Blossom on the 4th of July. It's in its second season right now, and I'm totally in love with the show. It's heavily stylized, so the characters all look like they popped out of a comic book. And it's just ridiculously soapy, it's entertaining and doesn't take itself too seriously. Gabby Dovalle thinks it's great too, and she's here to talk about one thing that she says it gets totally wrong. I love Riverdale. Yeah, I do too. When did you start watching it? Um, I started watching it when I went home to my parents' house for Christmas, and my brother was still at school, my parents were at work, and I was like, what am I going to do today? Yeah. And I watched like five episodes back to back, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm in love with this television show now. It's the 20-somethings 20, 20 who are super hot yeah. playing what's supposed to be, you know, A I guess regularly schooler. hot teens. Yeah, and, like, also, like, it's just so much fun to look at. Like, all the scenes are so pretty. It's like, this is great. I love this show. I don't know. So what does the show get wrong? Um, the one thing that drives me, honestly, insane is... Uh, Veronica Lodge and her parents, Hiram and Hermione, are supposed to be a Latino family. And every other episode or so, one of Veronica's parents will call her Miha, <laughs> like that. Because I'm Miha. You come to me first. You don't take matters into your own hands. Now, Miha, I've done things to upset you. You've done things to upset me. Miha. You want everything to change overnight. Mom, if you're in some kind of trouble... I'm not. Miha. But when have I ever lied to you? It just seems really forced. How, how are you supposed to say it? How it's just... I, it's really hard for me to say it, like, while I'm doing a sen- like speaking a sentence in English, which I think is the problem. It technically means my daughter. It's like a contraction of me and Iha, so my daughter. But you can just kind of say it to any lady who you are, like, cool with. Did you grow up being called Miha? My mom calls me Miha, like, all the time. Yeah. And then she also just literally calls me Iha. Like, <laughs> she just calls me daughter. So the way that they use Miha in the show is an example of what, in your piece, you refer to as Spanglish, which is pretty popular. Um, it's like when you, you know, weave in English and Spanish, or English terms that are influenced by Spanish language or vice versa. Yeah, it's kind of both. It's kind of, there are no rules, um, except for, like, it's not supposed to sound like you're trying really hard, or better put, it never really does sound like you're trying really hard because it's, like, a natural way of speaking for so many people. So I think the thing that bothers me most about the Mijas is, like, how everything else on Riverdale when it comes to representation isn't heavy-handed. This strikes me as, like, incredibly heavy-handed. Like, I really like, actually, that there aren't a ton of Latino signifiers for Veronica and her family. Like, they're not trying to, like, make them wake up and have empanadas for breakfast every day. It's just, like, they're very rich. And also, they happen to be from some unspecified Latin American country. You don't know which one, but one of them. Um, But the Mijas are, like, 
like because they have no other way of reminding you, they kind of have to shoehorn them in there. And then in season two, they did this thing that happens on a lot of other television shows that Riverdale thankfully hasn't done much of, which is that they had someone say something in Spanish and then immediately in English the same thing because they don't want to put subtitles on, I guess. Pobrecita. Poor little princess. They did this a lot on Dexter, a show about a serial killer in Miami, just to, like, show that most of the characters, aside from Dexter and his family, were Cuban. Jordan Chase, estaba esperando la luz. He was waiting for the traffic light. And what about the uh, noise in the trunk? I fucking swear I'm taking Spanish after this. The the sound in the uh, the, the trunco. Oh, sí, tenía alguien en el maletero, así un bang 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 bang. Bang 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 from the trunk. Sí. It's very silly, and nobody talks like that. The show is is pretty diverse. It's got uh, Josie and the Pussycats, for instance, which in the comics are um, I think two white. Yeah, girls I think and two, one black yes. girl or something like that. And one of them's a redhead, and on the official Archie Comics website, Josie, um, it's like she's the female Archie. And then on the show, she's like definitely not that, which is great. They have three black actresses playing Josie and the Pussycats. Veronica's family is a uh, Latina family. Uh, you have, who else? There's uh, uh, the mayor of the town. The mayor is Josie's black mom. black woman who's Josie's mom. So the show is... You know, pretty wide on the spectrum of representation. Yeah, and they don't. I think like the thing that I like about it is that aside from like the Mijas, which are again bad, um, they don't really like. They're not really corny about it. Like they don't turn every episode into like an after-school special on like race. It's just like they like interweave it pretty well. I think. Yeah, it's sort of like Riverdale occupies this universe where it's trying to be nostalgic. And looking back on, you know, what American town sort of used to be. But then you have this black woman mayor who initiates raids on the other side of town to, like, weed out drugs. <laughs> you have a police force that is heavily trusted but also really bad at their jobs for some reason. And, like, print journalism is alive and well. Like, Betty's mom is... But isn't it just, like, Betty's mom and dad? Like, aren't they the only people who yeah, are in that paper? Yeah, it's just paper? this mom-and-pop paper that somehow is surviving <laughs> in the midst of, you know, this uh, contemporary town that's supposed to be present-day, but is also stuck in the 50s. So, I don't know. It's, it's also, really... Also, you have a butler literally named Smithers, which is just... Right. Like, <laughs> what? So, I feel like the reason... Maybe. I'm not a writer in Riverdale, unfortunately, but... <laughs> I feel like the reason that they interject these these mihas is that maybe to them it's a simple way of signifying that there is some, you know, non-English culture <laughs> happening in this household. But are there any other ways they could have gone about doing this? Just like another word at any point is right. the easiest way. <laughs> like another – in season two they do it a little bit. Um, Hiram and Hermione are like sitting by the fire and like plotting and he's like blah, 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 mi amor. And it's like, okay, that's nice. I think like the easiest thing I could do is just use other words in Spanish sometimes, which they did a little bit in season two and maybe they'll do more of in the future. I guess we'll find out. Gabi del Valle es una escritora de la plan. Gracias, Gabi. Gracias, Aaron. <laughs> Uh-huh. 
culture. Last year, a few of us here at The Outline binge-watched the animated Netflix show Neo Yokio. Neo Yokio is the greatest city in the world. Some critics loved the show, and others thought it was a disgrace to the anime genre that it set out to adapt, and at times parody. So I sat down with Jeffy Haza and Adrian Jeffries to talk about what some critics got wrong and what we thought about the show. Please have your documents ready and welcome to Neo Yokio. Um, so to start, what do you guys think of Neo Yokio? You guys have both finished, right? I haven't finished. I've watched four out of six episodes, but I love it. I watched it twice oh. all the way through, and I am kind of in the middle about it. Hmm. I should say that I don't normally watch new TV shows, but I wanted to watch this show for a couple reasons. One, the creators behind it are Ezra Koenig, who is the frontman for Vampire Weekend. Love Vampire Weekend. And another co-creator is uh, someone from Adult Swim, which I've always liked. And the series stars Jaden Smith. Win, lose, we'll all be equal in the grave. As the main character who is this kind of, in Jeff's words, moody prince character, he uh, is a magistocrat, a person who has become part of Neo Yokio's high society because he has this ability to fight the demons that are always attacking the rich classes of Neo Yokio. I have a very high profile and lucrative job tonight. Job? You mean like work? I am a magistocratic exorcist, and it's my sacred duty, you jackass. And there are other interesting people in the show um, who I think are kind of the up-and-coming tastemakers. Jesus and Marrow from uh, the Viceland show and their podcast. Tavi Gevinson plays a character. And it just seemed really fresh to me. And also, it's about New York. So all of those things put together made me really intrigued. Plus the fact that each episode is only 20 minutes, which suits my busy lifestyle perfectly. <laughs> I was like, I have to watch this. And then once I started, I was like, this is really funny and original. So often people have tried to make the like cool New York show and just fail miserably or kind of do something that is corny or lame or whatever. And this show seems to have hit so many things just right. Long Island walled city, the densest housing development in Neo Yokio. Man alive, it's immense. I'm afraid the pathways were not built to accommodate Mecca butlers. Like, I never felt like, ugh, why is why are, why are there Supreme kids in here? Or, like, why are there this or that in here? It's like it really did feel like it cut through to something just real and authentic, which was really nice. I mean, TV is generally bad. <laughs> so this was, like, a good thing to happen. So it starts off just as this, to me, a very obvious parody of, you know, rich kids and the issues that plague them. I played you, Kaz. Midnight Blue is the new wave, and I alone will take credit for it. You bastard. I did you a favor, man. You're too neo-reached to pull it off anyway. And I think that people weren't really picking up on that. Like on Twitter, I saw a lot of people who were just panning the show for being, you know, like they were asking like, is this a parody? Is this, yeah. is this a satire? Like, what is this? And my thing was just like, it wasn't that deep. Like it was just this really... <laughs> simple 20-minute show that was easy to get in, easy to get out of, and like you said, touched on these really interesting points about New York. See, I thought it was rather deep, but it might just be colored by the context that I'm watching it in because it seems as though, especially now, like everything, every creative product that comes out has to exist alongside the like reality of the Trump 
America mm-hmm. kind of situation. Um, so I thought, here is this show that's like about inequality in this kind of subtle way. I don't hate you. I just wish you weren't such a lapdog of the bourgeoisie. I can't help it. It's my family business. It just, you know, all the light bulbs started going off like, oh, wow, this is saying so many things. Um, but to the point of a lot of people not getting it, I feel like it doesn't really make itself known until like four episodes in. So I could totally see if you watch like, if you kind of passively watch the first three episodes, you'd be like, oh, this is just Jaden Smith complaining. Right. Jeff picked up on the fact that it looked like a lot of reviewers had posted their stories before they finished yeah. the full series because the first three were the ones available as screeners. Like you said in the piece, there there's absurdist jokes. There's a sight gag where Kazkan is always trying to... Um, give people Toblerone. Give people a giant Toblerone bar. It's always darkest before the dawn, sir. Shall we get you a giant Toblerone? Chocolate always cheers you up. And then there's also social commentary kind of jokes. And I think that they're all pretty on point. And some of them definitely hint at something larger, like uh, the experience of women. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that makes them especially deep. I just think that makes them good jokes. One big criticism that was more consistent among even the more tepid reviews that weren't, you know, very negative toward the show was that it seemed to say a lot of things but never actually settle on any point. Right. It's like a collection of a lot of... really wanted it to say something. Yeah, which I think says a lot about what people expect from television right now, especially like these prestige television shows that Netflix tries to do, Mm -hmm. is that... You know, I should come out of this feeling a certain kind of way. I should come out of this feeling like I have a collective idea of what the show is trying to tell me. And I think it's perfectly fine to have a show that just pokes at a few ideas in its first season in a very short six-episode, 20-minute episode uh, series and says, okay, we're just setting the framework. We're just laying down the pipes. We are, you know, figuring out what this is going to be. We set a really interesting world out there. And maybe we'll continue. So I think that that it's okay for series to do that. Kaz, you don't understand. Something's changed in me since the exorcism. I'm done searching for meaning in the aesthetic cycles of commodities. Fashion is not a commodity. But people are looking for something that's definitive and completely... Yeah, I definitely felt that that criticism too. And that's what I think irked me the most was because by the end of the season the season and hopefully not the whole series the only thing I could think about was like the different places it could go and that to me is a success in a series on its own but even even larger than that it's like you know we love shows like House of Cards and we love shows like you know Orange is the New Black and and people have written extensively about all the messaging in these shows and to me Neo Yokio goes as far as any of those other series. I've never gotten a definitive sense of what government dysfunction is like from watching House of Cards, but I definitely can see the cracks in the system that it's trying to expose. Um, And I think, you know, Yokio in the same way, it kind of presents a lot of issues to me in a more eerie sense. Like, yeah, it's very funny, but I definitely got a sense of like, this is a very dark world. And like, if you look at it in the right angle and if Kaz or any of the other characters kind of slips into the wrong situation like things can turn really dark really quickly and that seemed to that was something that kind of loomed the whole series i don't want to go outside today's special is squid ink fettuccine well that is the most melancholy pasta in one of the interviews ezra koenig said 
you know, we're not trying to drag anything. And I think that was confusing to people. They're like, what's being dragged? I don't see anything dra- <laughs> where's being the drag? dragged. Yeah, where's the drag? <laughs> right. Where's the thing that I'm supposed to be mad at? And he said, the only thing we're trying to drag is maybe free market capitalism. And I mean, it gets sufficiently dragged. It does. See, this is, a, I think, where I deviate <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it's like it's a very gentle drag. Yeah. Like this, yeah. there's a scene with Tavi Gevinson's character who mirrors her real life persona, which is this fashion blogger called what's her name? Again? Helena Saint Tessero. Yeah. So she. All the names are great. <laughs> so her in the first episode, she gets exorcised by Kaz because she's possessed by a demon. And then when he goes to visit her in the hospital with that giant Toblerone, she, you know, kind of criticizes him for being a pawn of the system and kind of, you know, with his very deadpan Tavi Gevinson voice is just like, you know, I can't be a part of this system anymore, Kaz. Like, I need to get out of this. I can't, you know. <laughs> well, it's really good. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Kaz, I've come to realize it doesn't matter what you wear. That's an odd thing for a fashion blogger to say. I'm not a fashion blogger anymore. And it's not really a very deep criticism. It's just this brief scene between two people, and then he leaves, and he's depressed with his Toblerone in, in hand, and then goes on about his day. But, you know, I think with a show that might be a little bit more pandering, honestly, it would kind of delve into that, and there'd be, like, some big revelation mm-hmm. or some, like, way that it wraps it up. But it's just a conversation between two people. It happens very briefly, and then it's not really revisited. The exorcism was the start of a metamorphosis for me. It helped me realize I don't want to be the poster child for the inverted reality of the city-state. In a, in a similar way that a lot of people talk about how shows like BoJack Horseman um, explore topics of depression and anxiety in a way that, you know, they've had they've now had, you know, several seasons to do it. I think that in such a tight amount of time, Neo Yokio has been able to capture this you know, inner city or like big city disdain that young people have for trying to exist in New York. Like I do not have the kind of money that Kaz does, but like I think about, you know, what is it like to be a young person, to be surrounded by all these expectations around you about being the coolest or mm-hmm. being the cutest right. or being the you most start your or whatever. Personal brand in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I think it, that it captures a lot of If I was a rich anxiety. kid, I would definitely have a grave. There are just so many good character building details, like the fact that Kaz shops blindfolded. Oh my god, he shops by feel. You are a true master, sir. Watching you shop purely by touch is inspiring. One of the critiques that people had was that Kaz's character doesn't grow, which I think is just insane. In no, six hours. Yeah. yeah, but also by the end, like he's he's someone who was completely plugged into this matrix of yeah. You know, even right. being someone who had to work, quote unquote, work for his money, by the end, he's someone who's willing to like subvert the entire system to save someone who he cares about. All right. So capitalism I think we can kind of say, let's like count to three and all say what we think the main theme of the show is. One. The main theme of the show? Two. Three. Wait, materialism. Wow. <laughs> 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 Wait, what did you say? Late capitalism. I, I said, said materialism, so that's pretty depression. Close. Wow. Yeah. A show that tackles late capitalism, depression, and materialism. And youth. And youth. Neo Yokio. And New York. That's a sign of a really a good show. That's it for today's dispatch. I'm Aaron Edwards. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> 